glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 tonight. Let's bring some, just some simple thoughts tonight concerning the subject of seeds. It's the subject of seeds tonight. We'll look at a few things the Bible has to say about this matter of seed. There's one thing that I believe about Bonner's Ferry Baptist Church is this is a seed-sowing church. Amen? How many are involved in sowing the seed of the Word of God in this church? Some way, shape, or form, either regularly on a regular basis or once a year somewhere on a campaign or maybe on a mission trip, just about everybody that attends this church that I know of, you attend faithfully at all, then you've been involved in sowing the seed of the Word of God. And that's a, that's a blessed thing. And, uh, of course, there's a group of us that will be leaving uh, early Monday morning to go to Mexico to uh, co-labor with Brother Chris King and his family who, who are gone to Mexico, living there now to Sow the gospel seed and the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ and a team going down to help them do that. Amen. And uh, that's an exciting thing. But there's some things that I just want us to consider tonight about this matter of seed. Some simple thoughts. And we'll read some passages here, make some comments, and, and, uh, and then we'll, we'll be finished tonight. But Genesis chapter 1. And uh, for time's sake, we'll begin reading. Uh, in verse 9, the Bible said, And God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters called he seas, and God saw that it was good. And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the third day. Verse 20, And God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life, and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas, and let fowl multiply in the earth. And the evening and the morning were the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth after his kind. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind and cattle after their kind and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And then God said, God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female, 
created he them, and God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we thank you so much for this day, and thank you for this time. When we, we can be gathered together tonight in fellowship and around your word and uh, singing praises unto you and then praying, Lord, uh, tonight for one another and, and folks that have needs. And Dear Lord, we pray now that you please bless your word. I pray God direct my words and thoughts tonight. I need your help, Lord, please. And then, Lord, work in every heart. Do a work that needs to be done. We'll thank you and praise you for it. Again, Lord, we thank you for the precious word of God that we have before us. This evening, I pray, God, make it alive and quicken our hearts. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to notice here uh, in the creation that God spoke uh, all that there is into existence. Uh, he spoke, the, of course, the universe into existence. He spoke the world into existence. He spoke the firmament into existence. He spoke the uh, flowers and the field, the trees of the field and the plants and the grasses into existence. He spoke the, the fowls of the air and the fish of the sea and the cattle and the creeping things. He spoke all those things into existence. And then he said all those things would have seed within them. And uh, that seed was for the continuation of what God had created. And uh, then God formed man out of the dust of the earth breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, man became a living soul. And God put within man, male and female, seed, that they may also uh, continue, there'd be a continuance of what God had started. I don't know if you ever thought of it that way, but the significance of seed in our world, and not only in our world physically, but in the spiritual realm, is that there may be a continuance of something that God has started and by the way everything that God started there in those six days of creation God said it was good amen and if it's a good thing in the eyes of God it ought to be something that should be continued now I want you to notice uh turn over to to chapter 7 just for a moment just kind of way of introduction tonight uh concerning the significance of seed in the scriptures and if you know your Bible, you know that after God created man and man fell in the garden, disobeyed God and was cast out of the garden. And, and after a period of time, men became worse and worse and more evil and wicked. And God decided to destroy the earth with a flood. And, of course, he chose out a man by the name of Noah to build an ark and so on. You know that story. But notice something in verse chapter 7, verse 1. And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark. For thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Of every clean beast thou shalt take to thee by sevens, the male and his female, and of beasts that are not clean by two, the male and his female. Of the fowls also the air by sevens, the male and the female. Notice this, to keep seed alive upon the face of all the earth. Not only did God have Noah build an ark to the saving of his household, that's what the Bible tells us, but the Bible also tells us another purpose of the ark was to keep seed alive. 
It's interesting how you can read something so many times and read over that. And I've done that before. But I noticed that God saw that seed was kept alive of his creation through the shelter and the safety and the protection of the ark. Look on down, if you will, uh, in verse 20. The Bible says in, uh, or in chapter 8, if you will, in verse 6, the Bible said, And it came to pass at the end of 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made. Now the flood has come, the rains have stopped now, and the water is beginning to recede from the, on the earth. And it came to pass at that, the end of 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made, and he sent forth a raven which went forth to and fro until the waters were dried up from off the earth. And he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. But the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot, and she returned unto him into the ark, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. Then he put forth his hand and took her and pulled her in unto him into the ark. And he stayed yet other seven days, and again he sent forth the dove out of the ark. And the dove came in to him in the evening, and lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off. So Noah knew that the waters were abated from off the earth. And he stayed yet other seven days and sent forth the dove, which returned not again unto him anymore. It's interesting to me, when Noah had the dove return unto him again, she came back with an olive leaf in her mouth and what in her beak. And what that said was that the seed that had been buried under floodwaters for a couple hundred days at least was now alive and flourishing again. And once again, God preserved, not only did he preserve seed inside the ark, but there was the seed of vegetation uh, that was preserved outside of the ark. It's interesting to me that, again, the significance of the seed uh, is that it represents the continuance of what God had started. God saw to it through his divine wisdom and, and power uh, to, to use the element of seed to preserve his creation even through and beyond uh, the flood. Now, uh, I want us to think about just some simple things here about this matter of seed tonight, whether it be plant life or vegetable life or insect life or human life. Uh, there's some, there's some uh, truths here that I think are interesting. Number, number one, I want us to consider three potential uh, three potentials in every seed. There's a potential, number one, of a miracle in every seed. Every seed that God has created has the potential of a miracle. I want you to consider several events in the cycle of a seed, in the, in the life cycle of a seed. First, there's, uh, you can, you can say there's the event of fertilization or pollinization. Uh, there has to be fertilization or pollinization if it's amongst animal life or plant life, uh, if there's going to be a continuance of what God began. So there's the, there's the miracle of fertilization. How can man explain a seed fertilizing another seed? And by the way, that, that falls in the category of why there's male and female. You can't have fertilization of seed between two males, or fertilization of seed between two females. It has to be male and female. Amen? 
this gender issue is not a secondary issue. This is major. Amen? So there's the miracle of fertilization then and, ta- and pollinization. Then there's the miracle of termination. Jesus said in John chapter 12, except the seed fall to the ground and die, it will not produce fruit. Amen? So there's the termination of a seed. A seed must be planted in the soil and literally give up its life. It must, in the process of fertilization, it must give up its own individual life and own individual identity. Then there is the miracle of, of uh, germination or resurrection, if you please, uh, where that seed breaks apart in that soil and uh, it begins to grow into something else, the germination of that seed. A life coming out of death. So resurrection in that seed. Then there's the miracle of transformation. It's interesting. You plant a kernel of corn in the ground and uh, you're not going to get another kernel of corn. You're going to get a little green plant that comes up out of the ground and turns into a stalk, a corn stalk. And then that corn stalk will be one, two, three ears, and off of that ear, that cob, are other corn seeds. It's a miracle of transformation. Amen. It's like taking a, uh, we've got some, a couple of huge, big white oak trees in my front yard. They're about that big around at the trunk, and uh, they're huge. Uh, but, you know, it's interesting that, that that oak tree was once a little tiny acorn. Amen. A little tiny acorn. Someone said something about it's amazing, you know, that even even uh, even an oak tree started out as a nut like you. I don't know about that, but uh, uh, but it's a miracle. It's a miracle of transformation, and that takes place in, in a seed, no matter what it is, whether it's animal or plant life or human life. It's a it's a tremendous miracle. Then there's there's identification, the miracle of identification in a seed. God said when he put seed into plant life and seed into animal life and even seed into human life, it would reproduce after its own kind. So there you have identification in within that seed, that the seed of that, uh, of that apple is going to produce after its own kind. It's going to be another, it's going to eventually produce other apples and so on. Then there's the, there's the miracle of multiplication. The miracle of multiplication. Jesus talked about the, the multiplication miracle when he said, when you sow and that seed falls on good ground, it's going to produce some 30, some 60, some 100. Amen. Uh, we had corn on the cob tonight from, uh, we bought some, I bought some roasting ears yesterday and, and we had that corn on the cob. I, I looked up some things about corn and, and, uh, it's interesting, uh, that, uh, there are 16 rows of, of, on every cob of corn, every ear of corn. 16 rows. There was a man by the name of Dr. Walter Wilson. He was a, a medical doctor and, uh, but he was also a preacher. He was an evangelist and he, he wrote a book about a lot of different things. And one of the things he wrote about was, was plant life and how God designed, uh, plant life. He talked about certain vines that, that grow clockwise and other vines that grow counterclockwise and he talked about seeds and the, the miracle of seeds and and talked about how that when it comes to uh, most grains 
uh, that grains <clears throat> that grow are in multiples of even numbers. And uh, I did some reading said the average number of kernels on an ear of corn is somewhere between five and 1,200, depending on the, 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 the type of corn it is. Average number of kernels of corn on a cob is about 800. Now, I didn't count mine before I ate mine today. I'll just be honest with you. Uh, but I thought it was interesting. Uh, Dr. Walter Wilson had did, done some studies about these things. He said not only are there always even rows of corn on a cob, but there's also an even number of kernels, and there's even an, an even number of silks. Now, who's going to take time to count all the silks? I don't know. But that's what Dr. Walter Wilson said in his book. He said also in other grains, uh, such as oats and rye and barley, uh, and even bluegrass, Kentucky bluegrass, he said uh, they always produce an even numbers. I thought that was an interesting thing. When Jesus talked about the multiplication of seed, he used even numbers, some 30, some 60, some hundredfold. And so there's the miracle of, of uh, in every seed, a potential miracle. If that seed falls in the right circumstances, then uh, the miracles are going to take place. Then there's a mystery, a potential mystery in every seed. We've already mentioned some of this. First of all, there's the mystery of life. There's life in seed. Uh, that's what God developed the seed for, to carry life on and carry it forward there's also likeness after its own kind that's a mystery how does it do that god did that there's also longevity uh in seed uh, there's duration we talked about how the seed lie, lay dormant under the flood waters for hundreds of days and yet under the right conditions in the right soil the right temperature the right amount of light uh, guess what it sprung back to life again uh, I was reading that uh, uh, the average life of many seeds, grasses, and, and flowers, and grains, uh, they, you, they can lie dormant in the right conditions for maybe 10 years and still planted in the right soil and circumstances can grow. Uh, sweet clover and alfalfa uh, said up to, to up to 20 years. Uh, smart weed, black mustard, up to 50 years. Um, there's some cassia lotuses that have they say that have been kept in storage for up to 100 years or so and put in the right conditions uh, grow again and produce fruit. Now, it's amazing that God can preserve life for that length of time in a seed. It's amazing. God did that, and God's a wonderful, wonderful God. And then, of course, again, we spoke of the, of the potential of multiplication. Then there's some principles of a seed. There's the principle, first of all, that if a seed is going to carry on that which God designed it for, there must be a burial. It has to be planted. It has to, uh, it has to be buried and, and, and the planted, and then it has to be broken, and then it brings forth fruit. It bears life. And so those are principles of a seed. And then God gives us some pictures. Uh, he uses a seed to give us some some pictures of some things. It's interesting. Uh, in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, God refers uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ. The first mention of Jesus Christ outside of, uh, and God said, uh, is that God promised that the seed of the woman would bruise the head of the serpent. And the seed of the woman is in reference to the 
virgin-born Son of God. Amen? Speaks of the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ, referred to as the seed of the woman. In John chapter 12, uh, Jesus speaks of his death and his resurrection by saying, except a corn of wheat fall to the ground and die. There Jesus is referring to himself again as seed, but a seed that is broken and a seed that is buried and a seed that must die in order to bring forth fruit. And there we see the, the doctrinal truth of the, res, the, the crucifixion and the burial and the bodily resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So God uses a seed not only to teach us something about the virgin birth and the deity of Jesus Christ, but he uses a seed to give us a picture of also of his crucifixion, his death, his burial, and his bodily resurrection. Isn't that interesting? And then God talks about seed uh, and, and uses the, the term seed to help us understand the word of God. The Bible says being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God. Salvation is likened unto a spiritual birth. And in order to have a spiritual birth, just like a physical birth, there must be a seed. There must be the union of two seed. And in our, in our salvation, there's the seed of the word of God and there's the Holy Spirit of God working in conjunction together to bring about regeneration and the new birth in the, in the child of God. And so the word of God is pictured uh, as seed. And so uh, it's interesting to me that God has many more things than this to say about seed, but I thought these things were interesting. Now go to Matthew 13 tonight, and I want to get to where I really want to go. That was just sort of introduction to some things. But seed is a, is a creation of God. It stems from the mind of God. It Seed is used to carry out the purpose and the plan and the will of God in the world of nature and in the spiritual realm, both. The significance of the seed uh, should not be overlooked. In Matthew chapter 13, you'll be familiar with this, most of you will. Matthew 13, the Bible says, Then that same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the seaside. And great multitudes were gathered together unto him, so that he went into a ship and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Now here's the parable that he spoke unto them. Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some an hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold, who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Now, verse 18 gives an explanation of this parable. Jesus uh, gives the what it means when he was asked by his disciples. And he said, hear you therefore, in verse 18, the parable of the sower. 
When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. He that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word and anon with joy receiveth it, yea, or yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when trouble, tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty and some thirty. Now, uh, the Bible makes it clear here uh, that uh, the, the ground that the seed is being sown on is the human heart. And it gives four different conditions of the human heart and how the human heart uh, is, receives the seed that is sown upon it. He makes it clear in this passage that the seed is the word of God, the word of God. And as the word of God is sown, it falls upon the hearts of men and men's hearts are different conditions. And however that condition of that heart is will determine uh, the multiplication or the results of that seed that's sown, whether it brings forth fruit or not. So that good ground represents a heart that's that's ready and willing to receive the message of the word of god and the, and uh, and therefore fruit will be produced and that person can be saved now so he tells us uh what's being sown and he tells us where it's being sown and uh, who is the sower well i believe we can we can say there's two different things it can be a sower number 1 you and i can sow the seed of the word of god literally we can hand people, we can speak the message of the gospel, be a witness to them. We can tell them the good news that Jesus can save them. We can give them the word of God in printed form or, or some other way. Uh, but we can actually be sowers of the seed. And, and uh, most of you participate in doing that. I believe the other sower of the seed is the Holy Spirit of God himself. You see, I can put the word of God in a man's hand. But it takes the spirit of God to put it in his heart. Amen. And so when you and I go out to sow the seed, uh, physically, the word of God, we are, we, sh- we are working hand in hand with the Holy Spirit. We should pray that the Holy Spirit blesses our endeavors and works and does what we cannot do ourselves. And so, uh, there's the matter of the sower. He tells us who the sower is. It tells us, uh, where the seed is to be sown. It tells us what the seed is. But I want us to think now for the next few minutes, I want to give you five, five ways that I believe we ought to sow, how we should sow, how we should sow. Where should we sow? We should sow everywhere. Amen? There's nowhere we shouldn't sow the seed of the Word of God. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Jesus Christ tasted death for every man. Amen? And so there's no one... Uh, that's not a candidate for salvation as far as God's desire to save them. So we have permission to sow the seed everywhere. Amen. Now, when we have the word of God to sow, thank God for that. But how to sow? How should we sow? And uh, uh, whether we're doing it every week on a weekly basis, and, and, and many of you do, you go out every week and every week and every week. Our church is that way. Uh, when I was pastoring churches, 
We had a regular time of visitation. We went out, we knocked on doors, we gave out tracts, we invited people to come, we gave them the gospel. If we could get in and sit down in the Bible and talk to them about the Lord, we did. However you could do it, constantly sowing the seed, sowing the seed, sowing the seed. Uh, Or if we go on a special trip and do it and go somewhere else and sow the seed. I think there's some things here tonight that will help us uh, when we sow. Number one, I believe when we sow the seed, and of course, I wrote these down one day. I was taking inventory of myself. And I was looking at myself and I thought, you know, here's some things I need. I work in a ministry. I've given my life to a ministry of sowing the seed. Amen. We provide the seed, the Word of God. We ship the Word of God. I raise funds for the Word of God to be shipped all over the world. I put the Word of God together. I load it on a truck. I stack it and get it ready on a pile. Whatever it is, my life is about sowing seed. Amen. And so I thought, what do I need to know about how to sow the seed to be more effective? Amen. Now think about this. Number one, I believe it's very important for us that as we sow the seed of the word of God, that we sow in faith. That we sow in faith. I was born and raised in Indiana. Indiana was is crop country. Amen. Row after a row of corn and beans and fields of those things. And those farmers every spring would load up those tractors and load up those planters, and they would go out and they would spend thousands and thousands of dollars on fuel and fertilize and labor hours and equipment uh, to put that seed in the ground. Now, they may have not had a sign on their tractor that says, I'm doing this by faith. But I got news for you. They were. They were trusting that that seed in the ground under proper conditions and right weather and soil preparation would produce a harvest for them. Amen. And if a farmer did not believe that 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 seed would produce a crop, he'd be a fool to go do it. Isn't that true? And you and I, when we sow the seed of the Word of God, whether it's just talking to somebody at work or a co-worker or a neighbor and in trying to give them the gospel or it's on a missions campaign or it's going up and down in these streets and across this county and the next town giving out the Word of God, you and I need to ask God to help us to believe that God's Word has the power to reproduce life. That there's life. And the Bible said the Word of God is quick. And powerful. That word quick means it's alive. Amen. And God doesn't want us to have faith in us, the sower. He doesn't want us to have faith in the soil. But He does want us to have faith in the Word of God. Amen. And so, the Bible says, He that comes to God must believe that He is. And is a rewarder then that diligently seek Him. Now, we need to sow in faith lest we become discouraged. We need to have faith. In the power of the Word of God. And faith in the power of the Gospel. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the Gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believe it. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. Listen, when we sow the seed of the Word of God and give people the Gospel message, my friend, there is power in that Word. There's power to convict and there's power to convince and power to to uh, to 
to convert a soul and, and cause them to be born again in the family of God. We must keep faith in the Word of God. Or we get discouraged. Amen. We put our faith in the people and that soil, we're going to be in trouble. We put faith in ourselves. Boy, if I just give out enough of this. No, the faith, our faith needs to be placed in the power of the seed. The seed makes all the difference. If it gets on right ground, it will produce fruit. Amen. And if we sow enough of it and long enough, it's going to fall on some good soil sooner or later. So to keep from becoming discouraged, let me ask you this, how many of you have ever gotten discouraged with sowing the seed? Yeah, amen. We have to check up on our faith. Do I really believe that this word has the power to convert a sinner? Amen. So there's, and we can't see the condition of that heart, but we can believe that what we have has the power. Amen. So we need to sow in faith, uh, lest we be discouraged. Then, uh, Psalms 126, verse 5 and 6. Notice this real quick. You already know these verses, but I want to read it to you anyway. Psalms 126, verse 5 and 6. And I don't want to misquote it. The Bible says, they that sow in tears, shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Now that implies that implies a burden. Uh, but that burden can also come from love. And so not only do we need to sow in faith, lest we become discouraged in our sowing, we need to sow in love, lest we become disgusted. Have you ever sown seed in an area that disgusted you? Maybe a certain kind of neighborhood, a certain house, and you looked at the surroundings and you looked at the situation and you looked at the sin that was going on and it was disgusting to you. If you've ever done it very long, you will. Amen. You know what we need to keep from getting disgusted with our sowing? We need to make sure we're sowing in love. Now, I'm not talking about love for the sinner. I'm talking about love for the Savior. Amen. We need to keep our love for the Savior where it ought to be. Jesus talked uh, to the church at Ephesus about how they had left their first love. Listen, how do we learn to love sinners? Love the Savior that died for them. We love him because he first loved us and gave himself for us. And we must keep ourselves in the love of God. Listen, it's easy to get disgusted with sinners. We live in a wicked, filthy, disgusting, God-hating world. Amen? We really do. And yet, we're to sow the seed of the Word of God, not in a disgusted, disgustful spirit, but in one of love. But the only way to have that kind of love for sinners is to have the right love for the Savior. I talked to a missionary many, many years ago. He'd been in the mountains of southern Mexico working amongst Indians down there in southern Mexico. And he said they were a very, very primitive bunch of people. He said, we spent 30 years there. And he said, I'm just going to tell you something. 
He said, it took all the grace of God that God could give me and I could receive to love the, learn to love those people. He said they were filthy, dirty. He said they hated one another. They hated us. He said they were superstitious. They were devil worshipers. They ran around mostly naked and drunken. He said they were vile, filthy, wretched people. And he said, we spent 30 years with them. He said, you know how? He said, I had to keep falling in love over and over again with my Savior. And when I loved my Savior right, I could have the love of Christ in me to love them. It's important, isn't it? It's important. We need to sow not only in faith so we don't get discouraged, but we need to sow in love. So we don't become disgusted with those that we're actually trying to reach. Amen. And then, because you know why? Because you go, you can go, especially, well, you can do it right around here. You go certain places, it's pretty bad. Pretty bad. But God loves them. Jesus Christ died for them. That's why we're going. is because he died for them and loves them and wants to save them. Let me give you a third one. We need to sow... With diligence. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Just for a moment. Chapter 11. And verse 4. Ecclesiastes 11, 4. He that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. As thou knowest not what is the way of the Spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb, I've heard that as with child, even so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. In the morning sow thy seed, and in the evening withhold not thine hand, for thou knowest not whether uh, shall prosper either this or that, or whether they both be alike good. You know what we need to be when we sow? We need to be diligent. We need to be diligent in our sowing, lest we be delayed. The Bible talks about in Ecclesiastes there's a time to sow and a time to reap. And so, God, help us to be diligent in our sowing. Be about it. Amen. And uh, so, Jesus said, Work while it is yet day, for the night cometh when no man can work. You know, there's, there's coming possibly a day in our country and in our lifetime that we will not legally be able to go out here and do what you do every week. How many of you believe that is possibly coming to America? Get your head out of the sand if you don't think it's possible. It's coming. Amen. And so we need to be diligent about our sowing lest we be delayed and miss our opportunities. Then we need to sow with a purpose, with purpose. We need to have purpose in our sowing lest we get distracted. Amen. It's easy to get distracted, isn't it? Easy to get distracted. And so we need to sow with a purpose. What is that purpose? Well, number one, our purpose in sowing is obedience to God. It's God that said, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. It's God that said, teach all nations. Amen. It's God that told us to go forth and sow the seed and be witnesses. And so our purpose to keep us from being distracted, we need to remember our purpose for sowing is obedience to God. Second of all, it's opportunity for the sinner. 
We sow, it's an opportunity. I remember a man preaching one time said the title of the message was simply give, give them an opportunity. Just give them an opportunity. Don't twist their arm trying to make them get saved. But at least give them an opportunity. Witness to them. Give them a track. Give them, but give them an opportunity. And when we sow, we are giving sinners an opportunity. How many, how many of you remember the day that God gave you the opportunity to hear the gospel? And get saved. Thank God. Aren't you glad somebody made it possible for you to have the opportunity to get saved? Thank God for that. And so uh, we need to have a purpose of, of op- uh, realizing we have opportunity uh, to for the sinner. And then then uh, it's we're in a warfare. And sowing the seed is an offensive tactic. We're to put on the whole armor of God. Yes, that's a defensive move. We're to stand. But sowing the seed is an offensive tactic. Amen. We're taking the word of God into Satan's territory. We are on the offensive. We're taking, they were unloading scripture today at, down at Brother Chris's place. And someone said, uh, they got, they're getting ready, the ammunition ready for the, for the soldiers. Amen. When we're sowing the seed of the word of God, we're taking the ammunition to the field and to the forefront of the battle. Amen. So we need to sow with purpose, realizing that's our uh, it's an offensive position uh, in the warfare, and then we're to sow in power. We're to sow in power. The Bible, lest we be defeated, we don't want to be defeated. If we're not going to be defeated, we got to have power. Amen. That power is not going to come within ourselves. You can operate on willpower yourself for a good while, but it will run out. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us that we are to be, in Ephesians 5, we are to be filled with the Spirit of God. The disciples were told that they would be endued with the whole, with power on high, the Holy Ghost. They'd be filled with the Holy Ghost and power uh, to, to sow the seed, to preach the gospel. And we need that Holy Spirit power in order to sow the seed of the Word of God, lest we be defeated. Now, it's wonderful to go on a missions trip. Amen. Many of you have gone before. Many of you are going again. It's a wonderful thing. I'm, but I'm going to tell you something. You're going to need more than just money to pay for your ticket and a desire to go out here and pass out the Word of God. You need the Holy Spirit's power in your life. We need it. We need Him to work through us. So that when we put the word of God, the seed into someone's hand, then he can take that hand, that seed in that hand, and actually put it in a heart. You and I cannot put it in their heart. We can reason with them and get it to their head, but we cannot plant it in their heart. Only God can do that. And we need that kind of power whether it's on a Sunday afternoon going up and down these streets or it's on a mission field helping Brother Chris and his people down there. We need the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Amen? We need that. And if we we seek it and we ask God for it, God will give us that power. Amen? How many believe that? That's what we need. So on this mission trip, if you're getting ready to go, just like myself, Get your bags packed. Make sure you got your passport. But make sure you arrive 
with the power of God on your life. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Cleaned up and ready to go. Sins confessed. Amen. Clean vessel. Nothing in our hearts that would grieve the Spirit of God. Nothing in our hearts that would, that would uh, quench the Spirit of God. Nothing in our hearts that would resist the Spirit of God. But full of His power. And God will use us. Amen. God will use us. Mm-hmm.